is winding down and we are waiting for the NBA season to start. No better way to wait it out than with the Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Tara here with Dan Morang. We've been getting up our shots. We are in shape, ready for training camp. How you doing, Dan? I haven't seen any Instagram videos of you lately. Yeah, no, the, the, the only uh, type of video you'll see me putting together is me cooking. You mean there's no hoodie Dan yeah, out no, there? Uh, no, hoodie Dan is, is is everyday life. So are you ready for summer to be over and for no. uh, the basketball season to kick in? Yes, that's, that's a two-parter. No, I don't want ever. I don't want summer ever to be over. I, I I hate the winters here. It's every time the winter starts coming back around, it's really depressing. But God, if that's what I have to give up to get basketball back, I yeah, it's almost worth it. Like basketball is almost. almost worth the, the the terrible six months of weather that, they, that we get here. It's just, but God, I'm dying for basketball right now. Like when <laughs> when Eurobasket is just like you're waking up to get Eurobasket, you know that it's it's about that time. Like I, I'm not sure what level of play is more. Um, I don't want to go too hard. What level of play is higher, but Eurobasket or Summer League, it's really hard to kind of differentiate the two. Uh, but when that's like, when that's what you're pining for, because that's, that's the only thing that you've got to look at. That's right. I know. I, I love asking people what they, what they do um, as, when they're trying to pass the time in, in these last few days. I just got out my uh, Lego set of blazers that I made last year, and I'm uh, making new jerseys for them so that they can wear them so I can play with the lineup. That's how I'm spending the time <laughs> waiting for the season to start. <laughs> oh, well, you know who had I don't, a— I don't think uh, I've reached that point yet. <laughs> Well, and I've actually I've been watching the uh, the WNBA playoffs and and they're really fun. They uh, it's you know what's crazy? They have the first two rounds are single elimination and just the stress of a single elimination game is I just I couldn't handle it. I don't know like imagine if your team was just like a single team play in that was it. I mean, for basketball that's hard to I mean I know that's how football works, but watching it happen on the basketball court is. Uh, it's it's quite interesting. I mean, they they are playing their hearts out in these first two rounds because you lose, you go home. That's it. You only got one chance. Yeah, high risk, high reward. I I, I enjoy that. Well, so. Damian Lillard is also ready for summer to be over, and he do, just got done doing what he does for the last five years. He had a, a Oakland picnic. Uh, kicking it off, getting uh, fall started. They give away backpacks and school supplies for kids. He has a big party in Oakland. And this year he was accompanied by Mark Spears from, let's see, he write, I believe he writes for The Undefeated. Yep. And uh, Mark Spears wrote a real nice article to uh, talk about uh, Damien's party down in the park in Oakland. Uh, it was real interesting. You know, those of us who follow Damien regularly, they're there wasn't a lot of, of like new personality nuances that came out about him. Cause we know how loyal he is, how tied he is into his community. Uh, um, you know, how, uh, fiercely he believes in the people who are closest to him and that a lot of that came out in the article it was a really neat article he also did a tweet or a instagram post a couple pictures from the event um a couple that were notable to me uh, of course uh, he draymond green stopped by i thought that was really interesting that he's hanging out with draymond and then there's another one of him Zip lining. It was like an Instagram video of him zip lining. I was so stressed out watching that. 
I was just like, no, don't crash. Don't hurt yourself. I think those guys are more likely to hurt themselves on the banana boats than they are uh, zip lining. The things that the, that I've seen written into contracts for things that players can't do are absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, it's oddly specific. Um, I'm surprised zipline isn't kind of like one of those global ones. Like right. av- avoid this at all, <laughs> you know, at all costs. Um, do not what? suspend yourself hundreds of feet off the ground. Like would probably like be. Somewhere on like page fifty-seven of the contract. Uh, Fortunately, this was not one of the super high zip lines. I know, just looked, you know, general. as far as zip lines goes, it looks like it was pretty safe. But still, those landings on those things—I've seen some horror stories. Avoid <laughs> suspending yourself with cables above ground. I think that's, 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 <laughs> yeah. that covers basically all of your zip lining and uh, bungee jumping needs as far as contractual obligations towards safety. But no, it's, it's, I mean, as far as Dame goes, this is kind of the norm, which is really cool. Um, you've got a guy who cares a ton about his community, always wants to give back, always trying to do something, whether it's, uh, interacting with fans, interacting with people where he grew up, um, and not just Oakland. Um, he goes back to Ogden and he does stuff here in Portland. So everywhere that, that's, that's, He's benefited from, and they benefited from him. Uh, he continues to go back and get back, and that kind of stuff's really cool. Uh, especially, you know, as Portland fans, we, most of us are made aware of this, whether it's through Blazers Edge or through the Trailblazers themselves and their social media. But when you get somebody like Mark Spears from the Undefeated to talk about it on a national level, uh, it exposes a lot of what these guys do in the off season, other than you know make Instagram videos. So. Um, kudos for, for both to, to Dame and to, to Mark Spears. And really, I couldn't care less about Draymond Green. The less I see of him, the better. <laughs> okay, then. Well, we had a little bit more news about Dame uh, that came from the uh, he late, was on the late night show. Yeah. Did you watch that? Yeah. Late Late Show with James Corden. Uh, obviously, big time super fan uh, Ian Carmel, who's a writer for the show, Portland native, and used to appear on Talking Ball uh, back in the day, appeared with him. But there was something that kind of cool that came out of it. Dame is a newborn vegan, which ironically Yeah, what do you enough, think of that? I was sitting I'd love there, to hear your thoughts. I, I'm sitting there watching this show as I'm eating my double bacon cheeseburger. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not even doing that just like for hyperbole. I was literally eating a, 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 a little shout out to five guys here. I was eating a bacon cheeseburger um, from five guys uh, as, as I was watching the video play. Yeah, he's, he's been a vegan for a whole week. Cool for him. I mean, I mean, if that's what he feels is going to help him elevate uh, his his play, if, it, if he feels that slimming down and being on a vegan diet's good for him, cool. I've gone on some diets before that are certainly strict and difficult, and they can be rewarding, but at the same time, um, I hope it's not something where this late into the you know into the summer that it's something difficult for him causes him to lose too much weight or anything along those lines. I don't think it'll happen, but that's always a risk you take um, anytime you, you change your diet up drastically. Well, yeah, and he talked – I was wondering what you think about where he, he talked about going down to uh, – down, Aiming yeah. to get down to like 190. Do you think um, – how, how would that – how do you think that might affect his game? What do you think he's trying to achieve there? Is he trying to become more more mobile, more agile? Yeah. Um, why I, else would would a guy do that? Because usually they talk, they come back all bulk, you know. You LeBron know, a lot did of, this. A lot of guys, especially who like attack the basket, like want to come back bulked up. Yeah, and LeBron did this in Miami. Lebr- like that was like cyborg LeBron. 
He put on a ton mm-hmm. of weight, but he also said he wore down. I remember that was when LeBron cramped up. Um, mm-hmm. Melo did the same thing. A lot of these, these wing guys got really big, and now the trend seems to be going the other way for more sustained, uh, more longevity. But at the same time, you're not going to have the strength and power to sometimes get through there. And Matt Moore of CBS Basketball wrote a piece about Damian Lillard's defense a couple weeks ago. And one of the things he did mention was that Lillard's strength was both good for him and it inhibited him in some areas because he could get caught on screens with that exercise and strength and he'd, he'd plow okay. through guys, which is true. There, there's no doubt about that. But at the same time, if he's losing that strength, how much is that adversely affect his ability to get to the rim, to control his body, to take the extra. There's with any kind of body type, any kind of archetype there, there has to be like this happy medium of the ability to both stay on the floor and stay healthy, but enough size and strength to power through, to take the extra hit, to beat around somebody or go through somebody to get a loose ball or get a shot off. There's things like that nature. So if Dame's still tinkering with that, trying to find that, I think that, a, a positive for Blazers fans because uh-huh. if he hasn't found it yet, then that means there might be that nether full gear. Yeah, it's a good sign because it, he he doesn't feel like he's done. He's out there searching for uh, ways to can to Im- improve and improve significantly. So I've heard people react to the news that he was turning vegan um, with a little dismay because obviously a vegan diet, uh, you know, there's no meat, there's no dairy, um, and people worry a lot about whether or not he'll get enough protein, which is so essential to, I guess, growing muscles Let's and, go ahead and things and like stop that. Stop this right here, real quick. This is Damian. Lillard. This is this is not the 24-year-old college kid. This is a guy who's making $27 million a year, has a personal chef, <laughs> and has right. team physicians, team trainers, team cooks. Like Damian Lillard will get every last ounce. He'll actually get the perfect amount of protein needed for everyday consumption based on how much work he's putting in. So, so that, that part sounds of it, like you're not worried about yeah, it. No, these, these professional athletes, especially at Damian Lillard's level, not even worried about it in the slightest bit. So hopefully this will uh, help Damien find that extra gear, which we uh, both, I think, think that he's got and he is going to turn on this year. There's just one other little bit of newsy type uh, thing that happened recently is that um, SI came out with their list of top 100 players and Nurkic was rated number 69. What do you think about that rating? Uh, It's probably about right. Um, just today, I believe, or this morning or last night, the, it's a three part installation. So it was 100 to 61 or 51. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then from 50 to 30, I believe, or 31 was today. And I believe CJ just checked in at 31. So just outside the top 25. So Portland's going to have three top 70 players, uh, according to this. That's not bad. Not mm-hmm. not as good as I was hoping for for where they would be put. I probably would have put Dame in the tw- in the top twenty five, uh, or excuse me, CJ in the top twenty five. Uh, I think okay. Dame would be right there in the top twenty. So you'd have two top twenty five players, um, mm-hmm. and that would really put you. I mean, how many teams have two top twenty five players before we get back to Nurkic? So you've got the Warriors, obviously, the Celtics, the Rockets. And then probably the Thunder. 
and you can make an argument yeah. for the Timberwolves. And then you got Portland. So if, if you're mm-hmm. looking at how teams are kind of stacking up, how Portland stacks up as far as star power, they're not doing too bad. The rest of the roster yeah. we can discuss about you know later, but the uh, Gulliver was obviously the one that put the the rankings together for Sports Illustrated for um, where Nurkic was sitting at sixty nine, and the I think more than the statistical part of it, uh, Ben highlights the the swagger that Nurkic brings, mm-hmm. which probably puts Nurkic to at least to me higher up on that list than he than he should be. Like he's sixty five to to sixty nine is probably where he right where he should be, but I think because of his attitude and his his swagger and his demeanor and the way that he's kind of become that guy, uh, uh-huh. Dame's the, the 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 no doubt leader, but Portland hasn't had that guy that has a little bit of nastiness to him or that. It's different than than Dame's chip. I don't really know how to frame this to where it makes a lot of sense, but it's just an attitude when he steps on the floor and it becomes contagious. That elevates, at least to me, how valuable he is among the top 100 players in the league. Yeah, I I see him as a guy who's got a lot to prove, um, especially after how things went in Denver, and he's taking this as an opportunity to like remake himself all the way from the ground up, including his attitude and his, uh, you know, his interactions with teammates and how he acts on the floor. Because you know the knock against him is that he was pouting and that he, uh, you know, wasn't a team player, and he's just like done the complete opposite since he's turned come to Portland. So I think he's got a lot to prove, and I think that does elevate him because whenever you're like. You know, think about it when you're trying to prove something to people who, um, you know, who don't believe you, you, you know, can play outside of what your uh, natural talent talent level are is. Uh, so I think that that probably helps him a lot. Uh, you know, for context, he was rated above Robin Lopez and above Nerlens Noel, who were both 85 and 86. And yeah, it, it seems it seems right to me. But when you put the number um, next you, to it, it's, it's always one of those things that makes you kind of like. Come on, there's 68 better players than Nurkic. <laughs> that, I think that's really like that. That's what sounds bad. But when you really like look at the the number by number players, you're you just kind of like, okay, I, I get it. Maybe talent wise, that's how you can justify it. Um, but impact wise, I think Nurkic's impact and but and his potential impact have the ability to to elevate him into top 40, top 30 type numbers. Yeah. So, so CJ's thirty-one. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. And where do you think, uh, if you had to guess, where do you think Dame is going to land? Uh, I would put him personally top twenty. And every time I've done this list, I end up putting him around seventeen to nineteen. That's usually like, cracking that top fifteen right now is so ridiculously hard. Like, okay, I can give fifteen have a question. no problem and go. Wow, I still haven't got the Dame crap. I've noticed in the last six months a tremendous increase in people referencing the top 15 players. It used to always be the top 10 players. Now everyone's talking about the top 15 players. Do you think that's because there's just so much talent now that people don't don't even know how to? It's twofold. Part of it is that. Part of it is what's an all-star roster or what's what's an NBA roster? 15. So, okay. so it's a nice round number, but I think that's part of it though too, because right now if you ask somebody, if you ask five different people what the top who the top ten players in the NBA are, they it's it's going to be five different lists, mm-hmm. because it all depends on yeah. what you value. Because the the top end of the NBA right now is so good, 
There's, and then there's, and there's not just a, a you know a select few players. Sure, there's a difference between LeBron, Kawhi, Steph, Giannis, KD, and everybody else. But I mean, when you're talking about the quote unquote everybody else pile, the everybody else pile includes Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Chris Paul. I mean, <laughs> it's a list of guys that are all surefire first ballot Hall of Famers. We're like a few years ago, we were sitting here talking about how the NBA was kind of in a weird spot. Like, what's it going to look like? Now we have so many legit superstars that guys like Damian Lillard, who were putting up 27, 5, and 5 seasons, aren't even making the all-star team. That, that's, that's what's crazy. Like, you put Dame's statistical lineup in any other era, and we're talking about a Hall of Famer. Now we're talking about him missing all-star games. That's I mean, that's what's, yeah. what's crazy. So, yeah, it, I would not be surprised if Dame is 17, 18, 19. If you're getting him outside the top 20, I think you're playing with a little bit of fire as far as Dame's concerned. CJ's already kind of snapped back uh, on national media uh, talking about uh, maybe the players should get together and, uh, you know, rate, rate the media, rate, rate the media and their ability to create quote unquote sources. These guys all read this stuff. (laughs) I tuned into Twitter right before we hopped on and noticed that it's basically on fire right now. (laughs) CJ taking on all of the media. So it'll be interesting because that, that, that is going on right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns up, but it does raise a really interesting question. And that is what is the value of these lists? What do you think the value is of these lists? Uh, Howard Beck's top 100. You know, Howard Beck said perfectly, at least, um, at least how I look at it. It's great water cooler talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we're sitting here talking about it right now, um, where mm-hmm. what does everybody rate? And um, you know, I was watch, I was watching the conversation back and forth between between Howard Beck of Bleacher Report and James Hollis uh, at Snotty Drippin', uh, mm-hmm. friend of mine and friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. This is true. Friend of Blazers Edge, Almighty Baller Radio. Well, shout out to him. Um, the the his response was, I understand why these players take it personally because, you know, this is their livelihood. And then, the, the, of course, the response that comes back is, well, you know, if I was a professional athlete and I had all the millions of dollars, I wouldn't care, blah, blah, blah. People are still human. Having money does uh-huh. not change that. You're still human. And if you've got people who are writing about you, criticize, like, just imagine I just come into your construction worker and I want to rate your cons- all, all the construction <laughs> workers in, in, in the Portland metro area. And I'm going to rate you. I'm not even going to rate you. You're not even making the list. Like, how do you take that? Like, wait, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. What's going on here, folks? I, I thought I was really good at my job. Yeah, you know, your carpentry work just, it's really slacking. You know, <laughs> I saw you carrying one sheet of drywall. Guy next to you was hauling three at the same time. So clearly his efficiency is better than yours. So, I mean, I can understand how these guys get, get worked up about it. I would. Like, if I, I, I would definitely, if I was a professional athlete, I would absolutely be like Damon CJ. Uh, well, I've definitely noticed an uptick lately in um, players, uh, not only trailblazers, but other players, um, uh, you know, clapping back on people on social media. And I think that means it's probably about time for everybody to get back in the gym and go to training camp. (laughs) I think everybody's had a lot of time on their hands the last couple of weeks. I've noticed a a lot of conversation. And I, I think it's about time for, I think everybody's really anxious to get back to their regular, uh, regular jobs. Can we have in season Twitter clapbacks? I'd be all about that. In season Twitter (laughs) clapbacks are the best. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's move on and talk about, we, we haven't really talked about a couple of personnel updates that, uh, the Blazers made. Wait, They're, things happened? You know, pardon me? Well, so, so wait, things happened? <laughs> depends on what you mean by things. I'm calling these personnel updates because it's not, you know, the not not giant moves, but there's been, you know, some some additions to the roster or, you know, continuations of the roster. Last time we talked, they had not officially picked up uh, Pat Connaughton's option. They have now done that. Um, so he's, uh, with no matter what, he gets $1.47 million. I mean, it, it's conceivable, like they would be allowed to cut him at some point if they, if they needed the space, but they still have to pay him. Correct. Yes. Pat okay. is getting his money. Cash them checks. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, he, do you think that we're going to see him more this year? <laughs> I think we have to. It's, I mean, it's year three, and that's often, I think, the year that, you know, Terry, uh, that Coach Stotts gives people, a, a, you know, a little bit more play. Let's call him Terry. Let's go Coach with, Stotts. Let's go with that more Mr. Often. Stotts. <laughs> hey, Terry. Anyway, in year three, that's when we, you know, that I, I think that's a good opportunity for Pat. But what does he have to show in order to stay on the floor? Three-point uh, shooting? Is that what he has to show? I mean, really, Defense? There's, there's really not – like with the way the depth chart is right now, Napier or Connaughton are going to get default minutes. Otherwise, Dame and CJ are going to be done by January. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, it's just what it comes down to. Uh, for their ball handling or for just being just bodies a on body. the floor? I mean, with, there's, yeah. just not, there's, there's not enough guards right now that, that can yeah. do contributory things. I mean, right now you're looking at the second unit being run by CJ and Evan Turner. Um, mm-hmm. But and Shabazz, who, our guy Shabazz, I, this is going to be Shabazz's year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I think. It's, it's going to be Shabazz or, or Connaughton. If any of the wing or any of the guards get in any kind of foul trouble – Napier and Conten are going to have to come in and play minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 just that simple. It's just they're so laden at the so thin me, there right now at the big position that they're equally thin at the guard position. So it's just something they're just going to have to deal with. Yeah, you're right. There's uh, they are very thin on guards. Um, also, the other thing that the Blazers have done, they officially waived Andrew Nicholson, who turned around and signed with the team in China. Cash that so, check, Andrew. We hardly knew ye, Andrew, but good luck to you. And um, Former Trailblazers are great, getting paid that and, kind of yeah, money. With, with, along with Anderson Verichow and yeah. Mike Miller and Stretch for everybody. days. The Blazers have more well, money stretched right now than most teams have left in the salary cap. That's kind of depressing. They're... There is a lot, and uh, there was a a brief little bit of uh, hope from the Blazer fan base that the the fact that Andrew Nicholson signed somewhere else would um, impact the – you know, the, the Blazers obligation the on the yeah. uh, salary cap. And it does not because he's not making enough money basically for it to impact the Blazers salary cap. So unless he has a, maybe he'll have an amazing year and then they'll like, just like, you know, lay out a whole bunch of money for him. And then, um, and then maybe we can get a little bit of real, That's what you're hoping for, for one of those massive billionaires to buy whatever team he's a part of an over. Yeah. Everybody tune in to China league and cheer on Andrew Nicholson. 
another addition to the uh, to the roster is Archie Goodwin got signed for training camp, so he's not obviously on the official roster, although there is a spot open. But he did sign up for training camp. Archie Goodwin is a 22-year-old 6'5 shooting guard. He played at Kentucky for a year. Uh, he was the 29th pick in the 2013 draft. He Sounds was the like anti-Devin Booker. Like, Devin Booker yeah. was the guy that that picked at 13th who everybody was like, yeah, he should probably Ready stay in school. And then he came in, and he had a rough first year. Um, and then he caught fire. Goodwin is, you know, going into his fourth season now, and he just can't stay. He he did okay uh, last year. He got picked up by Memphis and, and played well enough there for a while. Um, but he's just much like a lot of guys that can't kind of really cut it in the NBA today. He just can't shoot. That that's his mm-hmm. big issue. He's a freak, freak athlete. Probably one of the quickest players in the entire league. Just lightning bug fast. Um, I hope he figures it out because I mean, you don't mm-hmm. go to Kentucky in today's day and age and not have superstar ability. Right. Well, and I think a, a lot of fans are looking at like, um, you know, he spent three years on that really young Phoenix team kind of getting shoved around and stuff. And that, that he might be one of those little gems that the Blazers may have uh, found like they did Mo Harkless, you know, they, they, they've been successful uh, in this vein. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's no yeah. there's no, you know, risk here at all. If he pans out, great. It's the same same way with with C.J. Wilcox, who they had in, in, in their two way deal. Those are the kind of things mm-hmm. that uh, I've criticized Neil O'Shea for, for plenty of things. For taking these kind of deals and making nothing into something, he's probably one of the best in the entire league at it. The Spurs uh-huh. are the best at it. The Spurs just find somebody every year uh, and make them you know, a $10 million a year guy out of nowhere. Well, And I'm wondering if Phoenix is going to be – you know how um, – uh, uh, Neil Olshay used to go to Orlando uh, to find Phoenix uh, is a good roll tap. Phoenix is a good roll tap. They've got a I, I wouldn't be surprised tap. if we see some more trips to Phoenix uh, to find some people. The thing that concerns me about Archie Goodwin is that, uh, like you're saying, he couldn't shoot. He especially can't shoot from three. He has a career 23.6%. Yeah, no, he's, he's 23.6%. That's after last year. He brought it all the way. He was 33% last year, but that was only on 15 shots. Yeah. So he is not a confident three-point shooter. And to be honest, the three-point shooting is what's keeping me up at night. The more I learn about spacing and how important it is uh, to have that release valve of somebody uh, who is at least a threat on the three-point line, uh, the more worried I get, the the you know that that seems like a big gap. Right and that's now. what CJ Wilcox does. Somebody, I mean, if if you, if a player is going to pan out, CJ can shoot. This is not McCollum. Mm-hmm. This is this is Wilcox. We're we're cornering the markets on CJ's here, uh, right? And six foot five shooting guards. Yes. Because Archie Goodman is six five, CJ Wilcox is six five, and uh, Pat Connaughton. They're all six five shooting guards. Now, whether or not they're actually six five, because we know that there's uh, some variance CJ's in six five. CJ McCullum is listed at six five, and he's he's all. Oh, of is six. he really? Yeah, he's all of six foot three. <laughs> Connaughton's six five. He he's there. Uh, the other guys, I you know, I haven't been next to. So I, I couldn't speak to those ones. But, I mean, the the, the no-risk, p- potentially high-reward type plays uh, for Portland have paid off well in the past. And, I mean, they put themselves in a position both financially and with roster flexibility that they have to count on these for, mm-hmm. for any kind of real growth uh, other than somebody 
discovering an entirely new skill set that they didn't once have, which I think is that's more difficult than hoping and praying for one of these diamonds to, to pop. Um, yeah, I mean, these kind of moves are, are nice, but I mean, that's really the only thing we have to look forward to or to talk about at this point in time until summer camp or till training camp opens up, which is only a few weeks away. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> well, we've talked about the, the, you know, the personnel moves that they, that they made recently. And we talked a little bit about, you know, Dame and who he is and stuff. And that got me thinking about um, talking to you about the team's identity. So I thought maybe we could spend a little time talking about what you think the identity of the team is going to be this upcoming year. And I think it would be good to start off with like basketball wise. What, what, what characteristics are going to stand out? What are we going to say is the identity of this Blazers team? It's going to be a, a Dame led team. So I think the, the, the identity of the team is going to fall in, in nearly every aspect off of him. Uh, what he's mm-hmm. able to do, um, how he's able to, to, to set the table, how he's able to create for the others, create for himself. So if we looked at it in um, like some of the different uh, types of offensive ways that people describe offense. So um, there's pace, there's shot selection. This is, I don't think this is know, a team that, that that's going to like define a role. Like Houston is going to run and pick and roll you to death. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be the hashtag efficiency hive. They're going to shoot from three mm-hmm. and they're going to get to the free throw line and get to the rim. Portland's just kind of like a hodgepodge. They're going to offensively, they're going to do a lot of things really well, but they're, they're not the warriors from the three point line. They're not going to beat you to death in the paint like the Grizzlies. They're not going to slash the rim relentlessly like the Raptors, but they're going to do all of those things better than average across the board. Uh-huh. Um, so when you, when you think about identity, I, I think they're, they're kind of an archetype is this, I don't know, I, I hate to use that word because I hate it. It's just goofy. It's hodgepodge. It's just they do a lot of things really well, but I, they're, they're not the fastest team in the league because Dame, while he doesn't drag the ball up the floor, he doesn't really look to push it a ton either. So they're not a, a real high pace and they're not a real slow pace. Um, they get up threes, but they're not like the, the Warriors or the Rockets where they're getting up 40 threes a game. They're getting up 25 threes a game, which is great, um, but they're not setting themselves apart. They're going to pick and roll you, but they're not going to pick and roll you th- their entire offense. They're going to ISO. They're going to create off the dribble handoff. They're going to do a million other things. They're not going to grind you to death in the paint either. They're going to get Nurkic the ball and get him his touches, but that's not the focus of the offense. And I think that's kind of the beauty of, of the Portland's identity is that it's evolving. But at the same time, not having something truly transcendent to fall back on, I think, is kind of what defines this team. Like they're, they're really good, but they're not the best at anything that they can do. And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of the, the defining era of a team that continues to hover around 500. I mean, it, the, the, that's kind of what it is. You know, yeah, they're slightly above average in everything they do, but they still fall short because they don't have one thing on either side of the ball where they just jump off the page at you. And I think that's the identity heading into this season, and it'll be interesting to see if that evolves with a full offseason off of Nurkic. Does that make sense? Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I think what you're getting at is that right now they have um, a, a large bag of tricks 
um, but they don't have like the go-to ones. It's like a bag that... of Kirkland Signature candy. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all like, it's all in there. It's all pretty good. But like how many of like, uh, you know, big time candy bars do you have in there that you can go to? And it's, it's, this is one of those things. So it's there, but how much and, and, and how readily available is it going to be? <laughs> Sounds like you're ready for Halloween, Dan. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I have TV on in the background and they had a freaking commercial for, for Reese's pop up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> candy that, that there we go we can make that into a metaphor somehow well i have another question about a stylistic traits um that a team has there's ball movement and there's player movement yes and there's some teams that do both there's some teams that don't do either where do you think or you know don't do much of either where do you think the trailblazers fall in terms of ball movement and player movement and do you uh see any path for uh that's a change um yeah, this, with a full year of Nurkic? this is something that we've you and i have talked about offline before uh quite a bit in the way Portland's offense is defined, and you'll hear a lot of people talk about how Dame and CJ overlap a ton. This is where they differentiate. CJ covers more ground than almost anybody in the entire NBA. This has been true since he became a starter. Mm-hmm. He is a player movement guy. He is always mm-hmm. on the move. Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. quite the opposite. He is a ball or a, a player with the ball movement. Um, yeah. But that's ISO, isn't it really? Isn't yeah, that really ISO? Well, well, ISO in pick and rolls. Uh, he, well, he's a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. That's not where uh, a large percentage of shots are coming from. Um, CJ, that's, that's an area where he's going to you know, settle into. Um, Portland, for all they're talking about, and the people when they talk about Terry Stott's offense, they talk about slow offense and how pretty it is. Portland actually doesn't move the ball as much as people think they do. They don't create quite as many open looks as people think they do. Um, while it's a pretty offense in that it's a, it's, a, it's appealing to the eye and more often than not, you're getting good looks. They don't move the ball nearly as much as San Antonio or Houston mm-hmm. or uh, Golden State or any of these offenses where you talk about these ball movement oriented offenses. That's just not something that, that happens a ton. Again, we're, we're talking about a team that's kind of in the middle. They do a lot of both. Golden State, let's just use them as an example because, I mean, they, they are the pinnacle example. They score more and more efficiently on the cut, you know, somebody cutting to the rim, catching the ball and finishing at the rim, better than anybody in the NBA by a staggering margin. Portland mm-hmm. has been towards the bottom if not the bottom for the last few years. That's that's an area that when you talk about the easiest points to get, transition is number one, cut is number two as far as okay. how the, the value of them. And a lot of that has to do with player movement and moving with purpose. And People can move around the floor a ton, but it's about when and where and how you move that is always – um, indicative of a style. And I think much like Portland's, what, what, what did we call it? Their, um, their identity is a lot like the identity or their, their, their player movement, their stylistic play is much like their identity. There are things certainly that pop out about who they are, but nothing that really transcends and stands out other than maybe the fact that CJ moves more than anybody else in the league. 
Well, if if they are a team that has a lot of player movement, then why are they so low at um, cutting at scoring on cutting? Because that's players moving underneath the basket. Is that just it's plays that where they you don't move. run? I mean, it's about what? where it's about where you move. A lot of the movement that the Blazers okay. do is on the perimeter. The only guys okay. that make cuts on the regular uh, in the Blazers' offense and their flow offense. Uh, Mason Plumley was one of them. Um, he was mm-hmm. a large benefactor of, of catching those passes inside, you know, on the cut. Um, but right now it's between Nurkic and Harkless. Those are the only okay. two guys on the team that are, that are reliant in any shape, way, or form. And um, what makes really a good the, cutter? Mo- knowing when to cut and how to so set. Timing set, is a big it, part it, of it. Timing and setup. Knowing what the defense is good. If you're if you're Mo Harkless and you're on the left wing, Dame's on, on the, the, the right wing with the ball, and you notice that your defender is cheating over but still paying you mind, and you give him a feint like you're going to head towards Dame and work for a okay. DHO for a dribble handoff, and he turns his head for that split second, and let's say that, that Nurkic has already worked his way up to the top of the free throw line, and... The opposing big is now, you know, icing him, playing him towards the, the baseline on the left-hand side. So there's there's an open area. Uh-huh. You're going to have the other the last defender is going to be covering the guy in the corner, in the left corner that you're on. So picture that. So that there's going to be a, a, a diagonal lane at about 60 degrees right down the middle. Off the, or not down the middle, down the, off the left-hand elbow. So you're going to take a cut straight down that, that left elbow right. at the free throw line. So and, but it's that, all about setting that up. The the, the, the trend okay. for that particular play or that particular set and that motion, he's he's heading over there. Look, it looks like what we've seen in the scouting report. It's going to be a dribble handoff because these guys know, you know, by game 10, <laughs> all the different sets that, that each team has. The, the, uh-huh. the big time vets that are going to be out there that do all their videotaping, they do all their scouting. They're not going to be surprised by anything. There's little wrinkles here or there, but you're you're going off of trends and what they're trying to do. So if you're heartless, you set somebody up, you give them that, that faint and that step inside, cut down um, with purpose. That's the other thing is cutting with purpose. Uh, okay. The guys that, that are the best at cutting, they cut with purpose. That, those are the Durant's, LeBron's, Kawhi's. Um, well, they're Mello. good at everything they do. So come up with some guys who aren't good at everything or good at cutting. <laughs> Westbrook, when he was playing with Durant, when he had another playmaker, was another guy okay. that was great at it. Because it requires precise timing with some power and and athleticism to, to finish and try. And a little trickery, it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like that fainting. In the, uh, you have um... to understand how to set your opponent up. That Manu, okay. Manu Ginobili is peak Manu would catch okay. anybody falling asleep. If you fell okay. asleep on him, he was going to cut back door on you. If you, He'd do it all the time. I think the best cutters are the guys that understand the, the setup more so than have the elite level athleticism. It's just so in today's NBA, the guys that have that super uber elite level athleticism are also the, some of the same guys that understand the game the best. Yeah, it's it's kind of unfair to like you know describe a, a a person who does something really good who does everything really good. Yeah, but, but those are those guys. If you look at them, the the their frames, their their physical builds, it 
it helps with that because we're talking about earlier with, with Dame's diet, being able to get through mm-hmm. traffic when you cut. Like if somebody tries to step in, yeah, because right. that, that's what you often see is that a, yeah, a lot of you times when guys are way cu- through all that, yeah, when guys are cutting or when they're looking to cut, the the, the play is designed for that look early on in the set. It's just that it's taken away so often because guys are are chucking cutters. Mm-hmm. If you've ever listened to, if you've ever heard the phrase chucking cutters. Yeah, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? I mean, the the defender is sitting there getting his shoulder, getting his hip, getting his butt into the cutter as he comes through the lane, denying that opportunity. Whether it's to cut to the rim or to cut to the backside to to move the ball to the other side or to set a pick, you're getting rid of the timing during the play. So who have you seen on the Blazers you think could develop into a a better uh, cutter? Vonley Hartless and Nurkic. Those are the three guys. Uh, I don't trust Aminu's hands. Dame, uh-huh. CJ, they're just, that's not what they do. You don't trust his do. hands for finishing because he has to, you have to catch and fly at the yeah, same time. Exactly. Is that what you mean? If you, if you okay. wanted to beat up on Mason Plumley for things, there, there were things uh-huh. you could be irritated about. Him catching the ball in traffic and finishing wasn't typically something that was an issue. Now, sometimes because he caught it with two and hands and wanted to dunk. Exactly. Um, but but Vonley, Nurkic and Harkless are the only guys on this team that I could see really being productive in that era, in that area. Uh, Turner could be. I don't but he's know. Usually how, handing the ball. He, exactly. He's, he's usually particularly now with, you know, heading into next season, um, not knowing yeah. how that second unit is going to be set up. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the guys that have the, the, the profile on the body and, and the ability are going to be in the position to make that happen playing off the ball. Nurkic, Vonley, and and Harkless. You know who was doing it at Summer League, now that I think about it, is Jake Lehman. I mean, that's a guy that we really haven't talked about all summer other than Summer League. He's He right. actually, that's actually perfect. And I'm not, honestly, I forgot about him. He has <sighs> the, he has that ability because if you look at how he sets guys up, he reads the play really well and he's got serious bounce. Like he wants mm-hmm. to flush it every time he goes to the rim, which is an attitude I think that the best cutters in the league have. Even if you don't get the dunk off, even if you have to go right. lay up or you have to go to the backside, you're cutting with the intent of catching the ball and flushing on somebody. That, no, that mentality, I think, makes somebody better when they go to the rim like that. I can see it now. I can, I can see him. him uh, I can, in my mind's eye, I can picture him doing it at Summer League, and I can see him, I can see him getting um, more play this year. And I almost, I have this, I have this idea, and tell me what you think about it, that it's possible that it might be Jake Lehman's year to get the Noah Vonley treatment. Just, I just what, to throw him out there and give him minutes no matter what. Give him we don't 10 have minutes at the beginning of each half, <laughs> you know, put him in with the best and see how he does. You know what I mean? I mean, some guys, I think that's supposed to be like a, a hurry up and develop kind of, I mean, I think that's kind of a hurry up and develop tactic. Maybe I'm looking at it completely wrong. I've mentioned that to the people before and they, it's actually not they a bad think idea. that it's a, uh, uh, not a good idea, but honestly, <laughs> what I do would, you think about it? I wouldn't go with him as the starter. But off the bench with with CJ for certain to add to the, the okay. possibility for shooting, because um, then you could toy with Harkless I mean, nobody or Vonley was a starter, but he started for two years well, <laughs> for a year and a half. The fact that he is a starter and the fact that he or whether or not he should be, I think it's a different discussion. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's still a position that's wide open. But yeah, no, I, I think Lehman that's that's a great that's a great idea to have him with with the second unit and have him be a dedicated part of that second unit of where he's going to come in there. Yeah, I, I, I would really like to see him. And now that you've got me convinced, well, first you had me convinced about how important three-point spacing is, and now I'm also going to lay awake wondering about who's going to step it up and learn how to be a good cutter. So thank most, you for adding more, most efficient <laughs> more things for me to efficiency. worry about. <laughs> you're getting your threes and you're getting your layups and your dunks. I mean, that's what uh-huh. it's all about. So it sounds like the the, the characteristic that you think is going to def- define them is their um, ability to try many different things and to not just rely on you know one or two specific um, uh, approaches. Because their they can't. Ability. Okay, I'm trying to make it sound like a good thing. <laughs> well, I mean, they don't have something that's just an overwhelming identity, and I think uh-huh. it's good to diversify. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but I think it's also it's it's good when you're when you know that there's a well that you can go to and i think mm-hmm. when you're talking about that well that well is damian lillard so i mean when, when you're talking about a particular play type or style um i that kind of limits what the impact damian lillard can and will have so i i don't i don't want it to sound like that at all because having him is is huge but having the ability to just say go get me to in this way, and I know you're going to do it pretty much mm-hmm. 80% of the time. And if we don't, we'll rebound it because we're the best rebounding team in the league. We're not. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. Like, there's always these things where – and that's what makes the, the league entertaining, except for the Warriors who are perfect and great at everything. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the adventure for this season is yeah. how much will they be better than average? I mean, I I know that sounds harsh, but I mean, where they sit, look at their record last year. Look at their record the year before that. When you're at or around 500, you're average. And and Mm -hmm. if they can find a way to be better than average across the board, then, or excellent in enough categories, then that's going to be what, what identifies and defines this season. Honestly, I hope this just kind of turns into Scooby Doo, and one of them takes off the mask. One of them takes off the mask, and we see their real identity. And uh, we would have been a 500 team if it wasn't for you meddling kids. (laughs) It's like, come on, come on! This has all just been a cruel joke, and Shaggy and the gang are going to save us. (laughs) I I hope there's an identity going forward, more than just Dame CJ Nurkic. Mm-hmm. More than yeah, they can do these things well, but the rest of the team, eh, they'll figure it out. So I, I think, like yeah. I said, that that's going to be the story of the season: is what can they do as a team to be above average? And the the mm-hmm. team aspect, I think, is the is the biggest part of that. Because if they figure it out, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun. Either. Well, it's going to be fun either way. But I think it'll be more. And fun I think that they're. Yeah, I think it, I think that they're such a close knit group that when somebody does start breaking out, they're all going to be so excited about it that it's going to they're going to feed off of that. God, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, guess, I keep trying to find a way where you can end this on a high note, Dan. <laughs> I, I don't I don't allow it. I just I, be optimistic all you want going into this season. I will not begrudge you. I just I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Let's let's put it that yeah. way. I'm I'm hoping things are going to be better. Just without much change, 
Um, and with the loss of their best or second best three point shooter, I just, it's really hard for me to get really, really hyped for what the potential for this season is going to be. It doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy the season. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to sit here and not watch basketball. I'm stoked for basketball. But for the height of where they may be able to get, I'm a little bit less stoked um, after watching the West of the Western Conference. But I think that's what it's going to be really interesting because if nothing else for the past two years, we've had um, very interesting in, in seasons that definitely none of them have gone the way that anybody expected. They may have got to yeah. about the same place record-wise, but the, the the journey there was was definitely something that was all over the place in both seasons. So uh, how it goes for the third year is going to be really interesting. They never do go how they are expected. Well, let's 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 wind it up here. Soon we will be having things like the you know the press conference where we'll come back and we'll hear about what everybody worked Media on day. and how they're in the shapes of their life. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. So why don't you take us out of here uh, by talking about uh, how people can get a hold of you? All right, folks. As always, you can find me on Twitter at dmarang. Um, the Blazers Edge podcast itself uh, can be found on BlazersEdge.com. As always, part of the SBA. SB Nation Network, but also we are now part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. You can find us on Stitcher, on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe to both the Blazers Edge feed and the Almighty Baller feed so we can go ahead and make sure that you're up to date with the latest podcast. As always, Tara, go ahead and let them know where they can find you. At TCB Biggs on Twitter. Excellent. For Tara, I'm Dan Morang. Enjoy the uh, last week we really have before getting in going into training camp. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Mm-hmm.